Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Father John, Father Nathan Goebel, as always, the red beard, the wild mullet. We're back on the horse. Back on the horse. We uh, podcasted, took a little break, said Mass, and watched an episode of Law & Order. SVU. Which was my first, I believe. Bow, bow. Bum, bum. So thank you, Dick Wolf, for thank you, producing Dick, Dick Wolf. Law and Order. And uh, we have, uh, what, who's, who gave us these drinks again? The beers we're drinking? Uh, the beers we're drinking are from Dr. Brazelton. Ah, Dr. Brazelton. A pediatric doctor, right? And uh, we have glasses Yep. that say, keep calm and listen to the loon clock. Listen, listen to, to the, the loons. loons. Sorry, the, the darkness of the uh, porter is covering the... Uh, bottom of this so so thank you to everybody for our our gifts here so here we are uh round two wait they are from oh it doesn't okay katie rice katie rice katie, katie rice. rice you know her i think so i think she was in boulder with me saw these we'll and find knew, out knew you two should have them hope you're doing well no need to send a thank you or shout out well cheers katie rice katie rice i think katie was a grad student when i was in boulder but we'll, we're not sure. So thank you. If that's you, if that's not, thank you, the other Katie Rice. So the uh, topic we're looking at today is uh, one that people are probably like, I don't know if I want to click on that one. Big mm. words. Mm. Father John thinks he's kind of a big deal now because he's going on for a degree. A degree. But as people who listen to this know, we don't prepare podcasts. We just try to read and pray a little bit and then talk about it. Yeah. And we're having a conversation. You don't, you don't prepare. I don't prepare to have a conversation with you. You know, it so would I'm, it would be helpful, but I probably would have to go to confession less if I <laughs> if I did. But uh, we're just having a conversation, and what we're talking about today is something that um, I want to begin with. Uh, what I experienced this weekend. Okay. So I was up in Boulder for the going away party of Apartment Fourteen. Grace, Grace Jacobs, Melissa Zizda, Hannah Wilson, and. Gold, Gold eyes. eyes, Emily Anderson, and uh, Todd Fraker was there. Todd. Todd, Todd Fraker is John Fraker's dad. Whoa, a wild man, wild man. Well, First gets- time I met him, I wasn't in clerics. He picked us up at the airport, and he looked at me and he goes, "Aren't you supposed to have your costume on?" And I was like, "Oh crap, here we go." Here and, we go. Uh, Todd is not Catholic, but he's a formidable intellectual. And Todd said, oh, "That's right." He looked at me and he goes, "So, what do you know about um, Karl Barth's universalism?" And I was just like, "Um." I have no idea. I just came off a focus conference and I uh, haven't slept in like five days. So he's a good guy. But he was he was locking horns with uh, Tyler Lynch. Oh, my uh, brother-in-law's brother, who is a convert, definitely does not listen to the podcast. They were they were in the same car it was together. Like Longhorns, just mm-hmm. is that is that right? Longhorns do that? No, mountain we, goats. Mountain goats. That's what they were. Yeah, they're like mountain goats. They were like mountain goats. Bighorn sheep. No, bighorn sheep. Yeah, something like that. But they they were going at it, and uh, so great party. Um, gradu- the girls are graduating. Uh, when I started in Boulder, these this crew um, was uh, just starting as freshmen. So the fact that they're finishing, I'm like, whoa, whoa that's crazy. Yeah. End of an era. Kind of feels like a, the completion of my my Boulder days, with the exception of Teddy, who's forever 17 years old. It feels like. Yep. It's like, good lord, man, when are you going to be 21? The red panda. The red panda. And so uh, being up there, the party kind of passed. And then um, it ended up just being kind of a core group of people sitting around. And the group was the priests up there, Father Peter Musset, Father Brady Wagner. P. 
Peter Musset, famous from Lanky Guys that's podcast. That's right. That's right. Another that, shout out. Another shout out. Who's been on this one before? Yes. And um, so Father Peter, Father Brady, and then the focus team. So Josh and Beth Santo, who said thank you for sending her home with food. Mm-hmm. He, he thought that was very thoughtful. He did. He left me a nice message. And I said, Goebel's the only one thoughtful enough and maternal enough to actually think about that. Beth came down, took some family photos of the companions, which is a very interesting experience for anybody not seasoned in Tracy fraternity. It's kind of overwhelming, I'm sure. Yeah. Because we're fighting and bickering, and then she's like, okay, smile. And we're like, cheers, everybody smile. Clink your glasses. Oh, I hate that picture. Yeah. Uh, it's a good one. It's, right. <laughs> it's funny because like, I know what was actually happening in that picture because before it, like somebody said, Goble, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm saying hello to our friend that just arrived. And they're like, get in here. We're supposed to take a picture. That's right. And then she's like, come on, raise your glasses. And I was just like, grr. And you look like it in the photo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I do. So um, Beth Santos was there, the rest of the focus team, and uh, and then a couple others, Keenan Fitzpatrick and uh, huh. Bree, and then um, Brady Wagner's brother, Bo. Bo. His fiance, Ap- Ann. Aptly named. Beaumont. Bromont, as we call it. So anyways, they're sitting around, and as I was watching them interact, I was thinking to myself, this is what it should look like when Christians are friends. Hmm. It should look different. And you could just feel, it was like palpable, uh, the love that they had for each other and the, the kind of uniqueness of the, the this small community mm-hmm. uh, that they share up there. And, and certainly there's other people that they're friends with, but that's kind of their core crew. And they've had a really an amazing year, and a lot of fruit has come from it. But I think the source of their missionary fruitfulness on the campus at the University of Colorado is rooted right there in that room. Mm-hmm. What I saw was that that was the source of it. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, you know, Boulder is a beautiful place, but it's it's a wasteland when it, when we're talking about communion, because the postmodern world is. And I was thinking to myself, this is like a garden of communion within this wasteland, so to speak, of isolation. Hmm. And why do I say that? I don't say that to hate Boulder. Boulder's just kind of ahead ahead of the world. It's kind of like this is where we're going: the secularization, postmodernity, and one of the attributes when I think about it, one of the attributes of postmodern thought is the conviction that at the very end of the day, what you're left with is existential loneliness. There's not communion and there's not love. The stranger. The stranger. Yeah. So Camus, Sartre, big on this, but even Nietzsche and Heidegger, everybody's kind of pointing to this kind of at the, at the, the base of human, human existence is the inability to be known and the inability to be loved. But also a way in which we know each other much more than we ever have with Facebook, Twitter, right? So Instagram. it's yeah. So we're living in a time that's marked by postmodern thought. We're more connected than we've ever been, right? Through technology, through social media, mm-hmm. we're more known, but we're actually not known because it's not in the order of love. And it's and it's the when you reject the faith, you reject the that love is really the essence of everything. Hmm. You reject that communion is the foundation of everything. So I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about that experience, because um, I can be a very wrathful and prideful man, as you know, and envious. And it wasn't that. It, it was just a moment to kind of watch and to see, like, God has done something, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful to see it. And what it was is communion. It was a communion of people. So that's kind of the launching point into it. Now, the other fancy word that we're throughout there, ecclesiology of communion. Ecclesiology is what I'm going to be studying for the next couple of years. So I've been really interested in really? So dogmatic theology, but I'm emphasizing in ecclesiology. I didn't tell you that? No. Yeah, so the bishop I, told me that. 
He told you ecclesiology? Yeah. How did you leave this out? I don't know. You said systematics. Yeah, so that's the that's the broader thing. So systematic or dogmatic theology, but then within that there's a systematics is Protestant. That's right. The specialization is in ecclesiology, so the theology oh. of the church. He said that? The bishop? The Lord Archbishop? Lord High Archbishop oh, Samuel Aquila. Good. Yep. So that's, that's what our friend Father Matt Henry studied. Right. So Matt and I had a good good chat about that. Huh? He gave me a stack of really huge books that I'm kind of overwhelmed by looking at. Symbolique. Symbolique by Müller. You know who got me that for my ordination? Keith Kenny. Klaus Bundesen. Ah, Klaus. Yeah. Wunder Bunda. Yeah. Newly married. Newly married. So anyways. Ecclesiology. Ecclesiology. What is ecclesiology? So what is ecclesiology? It's just the study of the church, the theological study of the church. What? There's, got, there's got to be more than that. Well, you know, we're just kind of riffing today a little bit. The um, so what I'm interested in studying, and as I think about it, I'm kind of like, what do I, what do I, what am I passionate about? I'm passionate about understanding the church as what I saw in that room. Hmm. That's what I want to study, and that's what I want to be able to contribute to. And I want to, I want to think, and research, and write in such a way that helps to articulate what we're trying to do in the companions. What what this podcast hopefully feels like and experience like these guys have a friendship they have communion, and, and you get brought into that. That's the hope, um, and I want to understand it theologically so that I can contribute to it. So it's 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 funny to think of study as and this is Gronsky, our spiritual father. It's coming out of human experience and is leading back to human experience. Mm. It's not just an isolated thing where I'm just going to build some system and and make some contribution. I'm really not. What I what I what I love is people, and I want to make I want to see that lived out in in the study. So yep. that's the ecclesiology of communion is this a way of understanding the church as communion, understanding the church as right there. And I preached about this a little bit because all this coincided with our weekend readings, John chapter fifteen, right? So I have called you friends, friendship. So the relationship, friendship, and communion. So I was kind of. Riffing on this, the 930 homily. First homily always sucks, frankly. It does. My first one. And then the second one, it's kind of like, wow, that was bad. I cannot do that again. And then it kind of progressively gets better. That's my experience. Mine is uh, bad, good, worse. Because <laughs> you get tired? Is that what? I get tired, and it's like, I'm just waiting to press the eject button. So for all you at the 1115 Mass, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, three Masses back-to-back. Usually that's... Back-to-back-to-back. Back-to-back-to-back. Like the Bulls in the 90s. That's right. So five? They had six. Six. Well, they went back to back to back, and then he re- he went and played for the White Sox for two years, and we let the Rockets pretend that they were the world champions, right. and then Jordan came back and right. went back to back to back. But we don't want to talk about the Bulls right now because LeBron James I don't want to talk about it. I said I didn't want to. One second buzzer shot. It was ridiculous. Which is funny because the week before, Derek Rose hit a last second. Which was awesome. Yeah. So yeah. go on. Anyways, so... We're not happy about that. So you're riffing at your mass. Riffing at the mass about friendship, communion, blah, blah, blah. But basically, one of the reasons this is becoming more important is because having like a an exit point out of my world here, you know, it almost like forces a spiritual inventory of relationships hmm. because everything starts to be felt more acutely. Yeah. So when I'm with people, it's like, how many more times am I going to be able to sit here with Goebel? and do this how many more times i'm going to be with andrea or sanit my family you know you start to kind of savor it a little more sapare right that's what the uh, ignatius is big on that Mm -hmm. to savor but then also you feel more acutely the 
lack of communion. So unreconciled relationships that are not tied up, that are not cleaned up, and I'm leaving, you feel that. You feel the pain of that a little more than if I was just kind of moving through life here, mm-hmm. going into another year, be like, okay, whatever. These people are around. I'm estranged from them. But you, you feel that. You feel everything. It feels like a little more intensely, which is, which is a good thing, I think. But it has me thinking a lot about the nature of communion. So that's, that's the initial thoughts. You got any thoughts, feelings, or desires on that, as Deacon Pat from IPF would say? Yeah. I mean, I it's good it's good that you're that you're enjoying the the good ones, but also it's odd because, you know, I was thinking as you were talking about that, about Monsignor Leone and kind of the the last act on the deathbed yeah. for the person to make the sign of peace and then reconcile with the family. Mm-hmm. Or even as he says, uh, tell him you love him. Tell him something you've always wanted to tell him. In some sense, like that's what you're really having to go through. Yeah. You know, in the in these last days, is just you know, in gratitude for the relationship and the person. It's not that you're dead. It's not that it's over. But this part of your life is dying. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it, it'll be it'll be you know chapter chapter two or something. Yeah. Um. Uh. And then uh. And then to say something of meaning because I really think that communion. And I've I've talked about this in the podcast before. I think communion and communication are related. Um, so you in communion you have a shared moon uh, union, but I think that there has to be something of the moonera, the shared gift, you know. And so communication is not only uh, an a shared uh, union in action, you know. Like I don't even know what communication breaks down into, mm-hmm. uh, but then. But then it also has to be like you're communing in one another's gifts, you're communing in one another's presence. And that's the church. The other thing I was thinking of was uh, Innerst, uh, Dr. Sean Innerst, whenever we were in our um, uh, ecclesiology class, oddly enough, Mm -hmm. he asks the whole class, he's like, what is the one major development from Lumen Gentium? Do you remember? Communio? The church is communion? People of God. Well, that, okay, from Lumen Gentium. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. So then the people of God. And it's like, well, that's interesting, because if you're going to do the ecclesiology of communion, um, and Lumen, Lumen Gentium is the dogmatic council on the church in Vatican II, then uh, you're going to study, because you're studying dogmatics, then right. you're studying uh, what is you know, Lumen Gentium in some sense, like, you know, it's the most recent document. It's not the only document. It's one of many. But then what is the major feature from that? People. And, and what are, what are people? Well, it's the plural of persons. So that's kind of what you're experiencing, which is like, I've experienced persons. Right. If we, if we elevate kind of our understanding of communion to just like, we're one people, you know, um, well, yeah, I mean, we're all Americans. We're all, kind of i mean half of us are men some of us are from colorado you know like you can you can elevate people into into segments but how much more uh important is it when you have persons and you have communion of persons right um yeah we're all in one state we're all in uh we're all in america but we're not in communion right how do we have communion in the church when we have even more diversity right you know we cross national boundaries right um, so, yeah, and that is, uh, isn't that amazing that that was everything I was thinking about while you were talking? <laughs> That's amazing. Usually I'm, I'm just like, 
oh crap, he's going to say something. He's going to ask me to say something. I'm yeah. just happy. Yeah, you're you're engaged on this. We're talking about something though that must we, be the beer. Must be the beer. Something about that porter. The thickness. It's like almost like a milkshake. It's amazing. The um, so my milkshake brings. Oh, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> when I uh, when you think of the Catholic Church, when most people think of it, I think including Catholics, Catholics as they say in Minnesota, the Lutherans say that. When they're thinking about it, they're not thinking about people. We're a different people, and they're not experiencing communion. I said this. I said, this is not a place where you come and say this is a deeper experience of communion of friendship. Right, random people show up for mass. Right, get the Eucharist, go, move on with their life. It's not what it's supposed to be. Most Catholics have never experienced what I saw in that room in Boulder, which is a small, concrete, lived communion, so to speak. It, it, the essence of the church is all right there. Mm-hmm. So the institution, the hierarchy, these things are essential, but they're not the church, right? And and what drives me insane is that. The continual worldly appraisal of the church is that it's just a sociological phenomenon that's just organized by all these kind of white, oppressed, celibate men in Rome. And it's like, that's not what church is. But that's the experience of a lot of people, right? But you're saying that the hierarchy is not what the church is? I'm saying the hierarchy is essential to the church. It is essential. But the essence of the church is not just a hierarchy. Hierarchy is at the service of... Uh, because the whole priesthood is the all, holy orders is at the service of communion, mm-hmm. right? That's from the catechism. That's a, we've talked about that, yeah. right? From your podcast on that service of service of communion, yeah. marriage, and holy orders. So the hierarchy is at the service of cultivating that in a yeah. deep way. Here's the problem, and I think this is why most people don't experience it because they don't have, they have not realized, and this is the tragic, tragic state of affairs right now, that God is Himself a communion, and that we have access to Him. That's that's what it all comes down to. Hmm. If you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't have a prayer life, because prayer, and I, prayer is defined by the catechism as a relationship. You know, yeah. so when people say I don't have time for prayer, it's like saying I don't have time for a relationship. Well, that's fine, but then doing Catholic things is not going to make a lot of sense if that centerpiece is falling out. The reason why the intensity of that thing I experienced in Boulder in that room was because of the Trinity. It wasn't because these people are just really into, I don't know, Scandinavian lounge music or whatever Mustard is listening to at the time, which he did have a, he did have a phase where he was listening to Scandinavian lounge he, uh, music. He's an excellent DJ. Yeah, he is. The, uh, it, it's not just we're into that, you know, um, or we're making Camino maps or something like that. It's, it's something deeper. It's that I've experienced the communion of God, and, and I actually share in that in myself. I participate in God who is himself the fullness of communion. Union with communion, right? Question, though, because you're saying that they haven't yet experienced a relationship with God. Many people that I that I know who pride themselves on a relationship with God don't have a relationship with one another. So you're saying that the solution is that they haven't yet realized that God is Trinitarian and communion. I I think some people have recognized that, but then also that I'm called into communion with the other. Right. And not just the other with a big O. Yeah. And I think that's the two. There's two poles. One of them, like what I'm thinking about with my parish, it's like, let's build community. We have all these ethnicities, all the multiculturalism. Let's become one community, you know? And it fails because it's it's our attempt, you mm-hmm. know, to build relationships with each other. And then you get these weird parishes where just it just, it's bizarre. And then the other extreme is... 
I relate to God in such an individualistic way yeah. that it has nothing to do with other people. Mm-hmm. And that is oftentimes coupled with an over-spiritualization, angelism, which is kind of our enemy, right? Yeah. If Josh Groban or whatever that guy's name is, is Larkin's enemy, ours is angelism. Josh <laughs> I forget his name. Yeah. But um, angelism is where you over-spiritualize your, and, and you lose your humanity in the process of, of deepening the interior life. And that is that's always been rejected by the church, but it's so prevalent. And so, the deeper you go in prayer, the more you should be capable of communion with others. And I mean everyone. You should be able to to talk to anybody. You know, mm-hmm. I just read a book on Madeleine de Brel's life, uh, kind of the Dorothy Day of France. Super interesting woman who moved to a, the communist city outside of Paris called Ivory, and we should do a podcast on her I life. can't believe we haven't already. I, was I know, just it's crazy. That. So, Andrea Polito, Matt Henry, thanks for turning us into this. Yep. But Madeline had this capacity to have to relate with communists in friendship at a time when the church was totally just freaked out of any participation in any kind of Marxist thing, which is understandable, you know, because it is kind of an atheistic humanism. Mm-hmm. But her her prayer led her to the capacity for communion with others regardless of their worldview. And that's that's where we need to go. Instead of this kind of like, let's just keep sticking it to people about the issues and kind of become this like entrenched, you know, Balthazar wrote a book called Raising the Bastions, R-E-Z, right? Like we don't need to go back behind bastions again. And we're starting to do that, I think, in the last, you know, 10, 20 years. What we need to do is we need to be really become a rumpf, the loon. Yeah. Men and women of uh, deeper communion, mm-hmm. and the Trinity does lead forth into that. One of the things is, you know, you talked about, you know, a parish that will remain nameless, but um, there's some, especially in post-Vatican II, not to bring it back to this, but in post-Vatican II liturgy, that we share this communal meal. Right. And there was a time in my life where I was in confession with a priest. Uh, at University of Illinois, who happened to be my spiritual director. You can connect the dots. And uh, and he said, I want you to think about the Mass as a sacrifice. And I said to him, uh, the Mass isn't a sacrifice, it's a communal meal. And he said, well, you just changed your penance. For your penance, I want you to go to Mass and count the number of times that sacrifice, oblation, offering... Um, like kind of gift is mentioned, and it opened my eyes to that. Okay, there's in the new Eucharistic prayer that just came out. Um, in the new Eucharistic prayer that came out, like you know, you have one, two, three, four, then you have reconciliation one and two, and then you have the masses for special occasions and mm-hmm. like that. In one of the lines from that, it says, "In whose body and blood we have communion." How do you have body and blood? It's got to be a sacrifice, you know? So something of Christ's offering is what unites all of us together. Um, He doesn't just bring all of us together and say, come to the feast Mm -hmm. of, you know, St. Francis Cabrini. Come to the table of plenty. Come to the table of plenty. Um, And whoever, whoever wants to come, you know, Jew, Greek, slave, free, you know, big money, no money, whatever. Um, he does do that, but the only reason why we have the 
the ability to come together in communion is because his sacrifice has overcome the division that has been wrought since you know the time of Adam and Eve and since the time of Babel. Mm-hmm. So I think that part of what you're what you have to, I mean, not that I'm going to tell you what to write about in your dissertation, but some of us may have insights. Second reader, Nathan second Gold. reader, but like. You know, the the whole ecclesiology of communion is founded upon Christ's cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that's so central for Balthazar. Um, and so the only way in which we have uh, the ability for unity is for one to become, uh, how do I say it, uh, isolated, alone. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And I think that's... that's Similar the- to Delbrell. De- Delbrell. Is that right? Yeah. Um, Matt meddling. Yeah. But, I mean, the last name is sounded weird. Um, she kind of made herself uh, isolated, but at the same time in communion. You know, that's what a, right. mo- that's what a monk is, monos. Um, he's called into isolation, but for the sake of communion. Right. So. And I think the, that's probably the most important thing, if we were going to say one thing today, is going into what you were saying, that communion is always is always rooted in charity. And so Christ's yeah. loving sacrificial act is the foundation of communion and it's the birth of the church, right? Yeah. Right? We you know the fathers always talked about that the water and the blood flowing from the side of the Christ. It's like it's like Eve, the church being born mm-hmm. water in the, or a baptism in the Eucharist from from the side of Adam, the new Adam. And so yeah, there's there's a, a huge disconnect that happens when we try and build unity without charity, and that's the biggest thing. Hmm. Saint Thomas Aquinas, because I was talking to our friend Angel, Father Angel Perez Lopez from Mercio, and he said, "I said, where is communion in Aquinas?" And he goes, "That's what you should write your dissertation on." And I was like, eh, "I don't know, no. I don't know about that. I don't know if I could do that." But he said, Aquinas has certain fruits that he describes. And I said, where is this? And of course he said, it's the second part of the second part, question 23. And I was like, you're a freak of nature that you just can say that. But Aquinas talks about uh, several of the effects of charity and two of which are significant for this conversation around communion. He says it's mutual indwelling and concordia, union of hearts. And I thought that's a very interesting way of describing uh, communion, mutual indwelling and Concordia, the union, the union of hearts. That's that's kind of what we're talking about. But that comes from love, right? What I the communion, the friendship that was present in Boulder, was a, was rooted in love. These people love each other, and their love is fueled by love of God, and that is what has to make things different, right? It's not just about let's find some people we like and form a little treehouse, as somebody once called the companions. <clears throat> Somebody, I don't know who I'm talking about. Somebody. But it's a temptation to say, I want to find people who like the same things as me, who I find pleasant. Mm -hmm. Going back to what Father Brian was talking about. Father Brian Larkin. Can you believe he actually came on? That was crazy. I can't, but Brian Brzecki sent me a text and he said, I am somewhat disappointed that he doesn't actually have an English accent. I know. That's all right. Poor Larkin. uh, So as Brian was talking about... It's not about let's just find people that we yeah. enjoy being uh-huh. with, uh-huh. but it's about being fueled by by uh, something deeper. Now, granted, like natural human affinity is essential to communion, right? If you think somebody's a jerk, 
or you just don't, you just don't get along with people like that's going to happen, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's not to say that there's like, not to take the human aspect of it and just say, well, if you love God, then you're going to love everybody. But there's a certain gift of mutual indwelling and concordia that we can have with the Trinity because of the charity of Christ that's given in the incarnation. And that is what the church is. And we can share in that together and be united in that together. And this is where, this is where we need to go. This is the direction that the church is even asked. Cause I came across a quote from John Paul in one of his letters to a uh, priest, which I love John Paul. He's my hero. He's the model, but sometimes reading him, I just want to like rip my hair out. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know? And, uh, but I came across this gem where he said, communion is the fundamental key to unlocking and, and authentically interpreting the second Vatican council. Hmm, yeah. So people of God got misconstrued after the council because it was separated from this concept of communion. And the ecclesiology of communion, John Paul wrote in Pastoris Dabavobis, this is what triggered this whole thing in me, was uh, he said an an ecclesiology of communion is essential for an authentic understanding of priestly identity. So in my opinion, and my kind of project, so to speak, is going to be to say, what is that? What is communion? And what are its implications for renewing the priesthood? Because priesthood needs to be renewed. And there's a lot of us who are trying to say, everything's fine. Let's just keep building these monster parishes and just burning priests out. But, you know, I'm talking to people and I'm talking to guys who have left the priesthood who are going on. We have guys going on. They just need breaks. They're just so burned out. And everyone's just saying, hey, this is great. Let's just keep moving guys around and keep them isolated. Lay people all see it, but we priests don't. And I think we have to go back to that communion. We got to understand the church. What is the bride, and what is that going to look like for us as priests? And we have to offer people something different than what, what than what they're getting. They have to have something something more real. Hmm. So that's that's kind of what I'm I'm starting to get kind of excited about it. That would be helpful. Maybe it'd be an answer to the sacrament at the service of communion. Yeah, that the, we that we talked on. Do you remember what Delubox said? Uh, Father Jason once pulled this out of. I can't remember which uh, preface or forward or something like that, but it was Delubach talking about Balthazar. He said he loved thoughtfully and he thought cordially. Hmm. Just talking about what you were saying about concord yeah. and mutual indwelling. Yeah, very he, nice. He, he loved thoughtfully and he thought cordially. Beautiful. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the head and the heart. Head and the heart. Right there, yeah. Balthazar de Lubach, Ratzinger, these guys, they all um, were sitting in an uh, Italian restaurant called Abruzzi in Rome. Oh, yeah. Can we go there when I Oh, absolutely. Visit? If you go to Rome, uh, there's an Italian restaurant right by the Gregorian University in the Casa Santa Maria where I'm going to be living. This is not far from the Trevi Fount. He is not taking visitors, folks. <laughs> and uh, Abruzzi, famous for its carbonara, but is also the place where they were sitting talking and they came up with the idea to say, we need to start a journal called Communio, mm. communion in Latin, um, to help us kind of move the church out of the craziness that happened after the Second Vatican Council. Yeah. And uh, so Communio still exists. You can order it online. And uh, it's in tons, dozens of languages. Mm-hmm. But they're the founders. And uh, so it's kind of exciting to share in that. Yeah. These guys, these giants, were saying, we're pointing to this. And I just hope that... Mm. Everything kind of goes to plan, and I don't fail out of my Italian classes, and I can actually pursue this hmm. because I think that there's 
there's a lot to unpack. When you read Pope Benedict, communion is everywhere. The concept yeah. of communion. Yeah. And same with Giussani, communion liberation. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah. I mean, the, 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 they're really speaking to something here, and we need to kind of, I think as Americans, we're so damn pragmatic, mm-hmm. and it's just about building things quickly, you know? I just was driving past C-470, and it used to just be a lot of open fields out here, when, like when I grew up down here. And it's just building. We're always building. I'm just like, I'm sick of just, can we just leave some plots of land that are not built on? That's a whole other topic. But yeah. Americans, we want to just figure out the problem, answer the question, do it as fast as possible, and move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And we got to stop building the church like that. And we got to kind of sit and be receptive and say, yeah. what what is the deeper mystery here? Yeah. Actually, I mean, we had talked about this because there was a possibility that, you know, they're they're thinking about buying, you know, a plot of land out where all of the people are starting to move out in Aurora, you know, mm-hmm. like way out by the airport or something like that. And they're thinking about building a parish out there. And I'm like, they should build a small parish, deliberately small parish, and say, if we have enough people, we'll fill this one and then fill another one. We don't need another like gigantor parish that's just going to serve all the needs of these people. Because when we do that, we lose something of the communion. It was interesting because you were were talking about, you know, these parishes, whatever— but that's what I said in the last podcast in my vocation story. We had a small enough parish that we knew one another. It was crazy. I went home. I went home, and I usually, like, when I go to Mass at, at Cabrini, I'm nervous because, like, oh, man, I see those people out there. I don't remember their names. But I look out at my parish, um, and I'm like, wow, the Schulmeyers are here. The Howards are here. The Nicholsons are here. The Goulds are here. The, uh, the Fritchies are here. And I know every single one of their names and every single one of their children's names. Not really. But uh, uh, I get pretty close, you know? But if you have a huge parish, you can't do that, you know? And you lose something. That's that's not good. Um, The sheep know... The sheep knows... The shepherd knows the sheep, and the sheep know the shepherd. In a smaller parish, yeah. But at a large, large parish, yeah, you can... You could not show up for weeks, and I wouldn't know. Yeah. So. And what happens is it it just overwhelms priests. Yeah. And, but the priest, as John Paul says, and this is such an important line for us in the companions, he says the priest is to be a man of communion within the church within the life of the church. The priest is a man of communion. I don't think most people's experience of us priests is those are men of communion. They are experts in the area of communion. Which means friendship, which means relationship, that, mm-hmm. which means that they're they're personable, they're warm, they're affectionate. You know, yeah. they they know how to have concordia. They know how to mutual indwelling, sharing in your life. You know, um, it's 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 such a difficult thing when you're dealing with just crazy volume like mm-hmm. that. So yeah, the the we kind of hijacked the evangelical megachurch model about 25 years ago. And it, it is destroying Breeze. I mean, it's yeah. just it's just, and I don't know how we come out of it now. Because it's 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 a real mess. So we have to start thinking a little more about what exactly is going on here. I was at a family's house the other day, Brian and Susan Boyle, um, and they said, yeah, like, I think it was like 10 years ago, Monsignor Ken Leone came over to our house for dinner, you know? And the fact that he did that, I mean, he is, in some sense, an expert in communion. Yeah, yes. Um, and mutual indwelling. Mm-hmm. And something of his love for his people and the people's love for him is still reverberating till today. Now, uh, when he said, 
you know, they asked him, how many days a week do you go out to dinner? The father said, I was expecting him to say like two max. And he said every single night. Mm -hmm. Now he is an amazing man. I, I cannot do that. Um, and, uh, and I don't think that necessarily we're asking that that needs to be done, but something of that communion that he created in my own, in my parish, the parish that I'm part of, um, is still having effects. Right. So what you were experiencing with those kids, you know, I should, kids, they're, you know, our, our friends. Yeah. Uh, they're not our age, sadly. Um, <laughs> Uh, is, you know, like you, you have a great pride in that, you yeah. know, it's like, it's like somebody who plants a garden and actually sees growth. Yeah. It's just like, wow, this is, this is beautiful. I'm yeah. glad that, that something of that is still taking place. So. And I think uh, the, uh, Leone's, uh, this is a priest we're talking about, kind of a famous pastor out here, but his, his genius was his ability to bring you into an experience of communion in a very short amount of time. Yeah. Just you have an hour with him, you have ten minutes with him, you have thirty seconds with him, and you you feel something different. So, anyways, that's that. That's the ecclesiastical community. Well he's, done. He's going for. Uh, I have a lot more I'd like to say, but I, I think I will Seriously? refrain. Oh my gosh, I could talk about this for hours. Well, let's just. This is part one, folks. All right, on to the shoutouts. First and foremost, it, that was a great podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, John. Um, first and foremost, um, not not wanting to like give a gold star to anybody okay because when any time our teacher would give out gold stars i'm just like what in the heck did they do and what the heck did i not do okay but certainly a gold star is going to be sent to carol Sargent of macon georgia because she sent me a coupon which was good for one bottles one bottle of maker's mark and how did she send the coupon? It's in the form of a check. Yes. So she sent us a check for a bottle of Maker Mark. Oh, God, I, oh, I think done. I'm done. Uh, a bottle of Maker's Mark. Thanks, Kev. So, bottle of Maker's Mark. Thanks, Carol. Looks like it's going to snow. Watch out. Okay. And then the next one is uh, a letter. Um, Dear Fathers, Nathan and John. I'm a student at Westchester University of Pennsylvania and I'm a big fan of your podcast. I make sure to listen each week to enjoy the banter and solid theological insight. I'm also a huge fan of Bella Fleck, so mad props for the visual intro, or for the usual intro music. Anyways, um, anyway, it's sort of random, but based on what I got from the podcast, I thought you guys might enjoy some of my music. So his music is going to open up this podcast. If you like it, um, check it out. Is this right here? That's it, yeah. I like the cover. What's the name of it? Henry Eichmann, Songs for You and Me. Songs for You and Me. I'd also like to request a shout-out to Father Tom Gardner and the Westchester University Newman Center, as well as to my friend Meg Kilpatrick. Meg, circle door, circle door. Henry Eichmann, Philly. Peace out. Very nice. So, yeah, check out his music. I don't know if it's on, like, iTunes or something. Yeah, Henry Eichmann. E-I-C-H-M-A-N. Eichmann. Eichmann. Uh, Chelsea K or Kai K A Y E K from Grand Rapids, Michigan said, "Request before Father John leaves for Italy, can you finish the three-part series of Faith, Hope, and Love?" She's aching for this one. Chelsea, it will happen. That's a guarantee. I guarantee it. Who is that? Who guarantees everything here? There's some uh, salesman here in town. Oh, yeah, I guarantee. That's Tom it. Shea or Tom, Tom Shane. Oh yeah, you're gonna like the way you're. No, that that no, yeah, that's right. That's Joseph A. Bank or whatever. Uh, yeah. What's his name? 
I don't know. Tom Shane is the Shane Company just off Rapa Road off of Emporia Street. Okay, one, half one and a half mile east, 525 on Rapa Road Road or in Westerns off Highway 3604. <laughs> I think Mike Humble was going That's to buy That's my favorite a ring. commercial. He, this this guy, for people not in Colorado, anybody in Colorado knows what we're talking about, but this uh, this guy, Tom Shane, has the most monotone voice mm-hmm. and his jewelry shop. He's been telling us that for decades, yep. and it works. Everybody knows exactly where the Shane Company is and their hours. So I got another email. Can I read this one? Go ahead. This is from, hey, fathers, it's me, Pam. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. The Pam? The Pam. Yeah. Thanks for the brownies, Pam. She's been hanging out with the Sisters of Mercy. She asked, what's the status with Our Lady of Tenderness? What? <laughs> Just hang. I think she was helping out. What do you mean Our Lady of Tenderness? The Pustinian. Yeah? She said, what's going on with it? Has it reopened yet? What? Is this Pam Anderson? <laughs> I believe so. Thanks for everything you do. Pam, Pamela, Pan, Pamela Anderson. That's her, yeah. How does one get to be cool enough to go on a mountaintop mass trip? Oh. Question mark. Well, that that's and a question you are for you. definitely cool enough, but I won't be doing one for a little while, right? We'll get you on one. I think we have to do one last fourteener. I think the status, yeah. Pam, of uh, Our Lady of Tenderness Hermitage is uh, pending right now. There's a board of advisors, yeah. but we're hoping that it will be accessible here in the next year. Yeah, he said, uh, Father Weedo said that they need a Pustinic. So the Pustinic is the one that is up on top of the mountain with you praying and fasting while you're fasting and praying so uh and so it's not like a spiritual director is just saying you're not doing this totally alone right that makes um, sense. so they need to get a system of boostinics uh up and available it's hard to find i think that's what that's called and then one last one to michael paras's wife michael sent us a uh email he said would you guys give my wife a shout out for being an amazing woman and holding down the fort as he goes offshore uh-huh nice huh yeah so to michael's wife if you're a mother happy belated mother's day oh um, yeah but and thanks, i i didn't thanks I didn't for mention, holding down the fort yes thank you for holding down the fort i didn't mention veronica even though she doesn't listen to the podcast this is my stepmom uh veronica i didn't mention her on the last one for the happy mother's day shout out so uh week later happy mother's day you're in trouble okay i think that's it catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com thanks for listening we'll see you next week laters